You're listening to the Alonement Podcast, hosted by me, Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to Be Alone and Absolutely Own It. Each week, I interview an inspiring new guest about the time they spend alone and why it matters to them. Ultimately, at the heart of every episode is one central question. What turns solitude into a positive, fulfilling experience? Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. It's my absolute honour to introduce this week's guest, best-selling author and journalist Angelica Malin. Angelica is the editor of an incredible new anthology called Unattached, Empowering Essays on Singlehood, published earlier this year by Squarepeg, which contains accounts of 30 different writers exploring what it means to be single, and even what it means to look back on your single years. I was so lucky to be one of the contributors to this gorgeous book, and I think it's something really special. Whether you're single or not, it's a really incredible exploration of what that period of your life means and how it can shape you for better and for worse. Angelica is many things and she also just so happens to be one of my closest friends, which is just one more reason why I'm so excited to have her on the show today. She's also the editor-in-chief of London Lifestyle Magazine About Time and has been voted one of Elle Magazine's top entrepreneurs under 30. On the agenda is a chat that explores all the different experiences of singlehood and how that relates to valuing your time alone. I always stress that being single and alonement aren't the same thing. As we know, alonement is something you can enjoy regardless of your life stage or relationship status. However, what they are is heavily related. Being single, in my experience at least, can be a really valuable time to explore your alonement. And it's that positive side, as well as the occasional shortcomings, that I want to discuss with Angelica today. Before we get to our conversation, I want to give a big shout out to this season's sponsors, Flashpack. Flashpack is a travel company for solo travellers providing boutique group adventures all around the world, from staying on a secret island in the Arctic to glamping on the Serengeti. Its adventures are targeted specifically for solo travellers in their 30s and 40s, so if you feel like you've slightly moved on from staying in hostels with gap year students on your solo trips away, then this is the holiday for you. Much like Alonement, Flashpack is a community built around the power of going solo and their trips are an opportunity to meet like-minded people who share the same independent outlook as you. They're on a mission to create one million meaningful friendships across the world through the power of adventure. And it sounds like it's working. 80% of Flashpackers stay in touch after returning from their trips. If this sounds good to you, head to flashpack.com slash alonement, where you'll find an exclusive offer code for all Alonement podcast listeners, giving you £100 off your dream adventure. I feel like unattached is almost chronicling our friendship because we first met a couple of years ago when you were first putting it together 
I would love you to tell the listeners a little bit more about your journey and what led you to publish a book about being single. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I feel like we have to like come out as friends. So I like <laughs> that you I like that you included that we are friends as well, full disclosure. Yeah, so I suppose when we met, it was the beginning stages of me putting the book together and a stage in my life when I was newly single and going through my own journey with it, finding myself single like lots of people somewhat unexpectedly and not really knowing how to navigate that time. I think I was finding it quite difficult. It was a difficult time because it was also at the start of the pandemic. So coming out of a five-year relationship unexpectedly, finding myself living alone and navigating this global pandemic on my own. And at the time, I started to look at being single and just question, like, why is this so hard? Why am I feeling so bad about myself? And what does what is the world telling me about being single that I'm sort of internalizing and so I started to look at it, the topic a bit more deeply and speaking to some friends and watching films around single women and I was like Do you know what there's not enough that speaks to the narrative of the single woman um, that is positive and empowering it's this slightly kind of depressing title I think sometimes you know with men we have bachelor but with women we say singleton spinster none of them are particularly positive terms so that was something I guess I wanted to reclaim is how can we find the power and the possibility in being single I love that and it's funny because you know we're really close I know that you're not like most people because most people having become single in a pandemic after a five-year relationship wouldn't necessarily leap into publishing a book about being single. I think that's kind of amazing that you looked at an experience that you were going through and very much in the process of healing, very much early on, you were you were also that entrepreneurial spirit, like I'm going to change the way that this is perceived. This is not an experience I should really be having in isolation and feel underrepresented in that what what do you think it is about you that is able to sort of take that entrepreneurial attitude almost to your own healing process? It's actually one of the things that I've tried hardest in my career to do. I think we often have the approach that we can create something or talk about something after the fact, after we've healed, after we've discovered the the lesson it was trying to teach us or the secret to being okay with something. And what the approach that I've often taken is even in the trenches of what you're experiencing or in the midst of the problem when you don't have the answer, that's actually a really interesting time to dive into it. So it wasn't like I had arrived at being good with being single. I was very much in my own journey of saying, God, this is, this is hard, but why is this hard? And I think if we can get more comfortable with being able to share our processes with with our readers with our listeners it actually opens you up in terms of community building as well because people also are finding things difficult or they're also discovering parts of themselves and I I think it's naive to think that we can only create once we've landed at some kind of conclusion so I think that was important in the same way with alonement you don't always feel amazing about being alone like that's that's a reality I don't always feel great about being single but I think the more that we can talk about the challenges of that state the more that we can open up a conversation and we can kind of say hey it's okay it's okay to not not be there and to not have arrived you may never arrive but what you can do is feel better during the journey 
I mean, that's a conversation we often have, really, isn't it? It's strange almost as a person representing something, representing being single, representing being alone. And I suppose maybe it's the way that we brand each other, that we we see things on social media and expect them to be one way and because a person is representing something for them to always feel the same about that and I mean I think what your book does so beautifully as well there are 30 different writers writing about the experience of being single it really opens up all the nuances of it and it is beautifully empowering it is beautifully community building but it's also I guess it, it comes back to that phrase that you just used it also says it's okay. It's okay to be this. It's okay to be that in a way that I think we like to tar things with the same brush. Yeah. Quite often. I can, I can hear. Sorry. Can hear. I'm just going to, I'm just going to move him outside one second. <laughs> We're going to hope for the best because he hasn't had a walk yet today. I love that. I can hear your dog Alfie barking in the background. He's, I feel like he's also synonymous with you. He's very much always making a guest appearance on your Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> he's also synonymous with my single experience. It was one of the things that I write about in the book is I think that we often think that we can only make really big life decisions in a couple. There's a kind of safety in that, moving abroad, getting a dog, buying a house. These are the things that when you're with someone, I guess maybe that that decision-making is somewhat validated and it feels safer. And I remember just before I got Alfie and getting a dog on my own felt like a really big life decision to make on, on my own. And I felt nervous, but I also felt really powerful. I was like, wait, I don't have to wait for someone to do those things. Like I can make those decisions. So it's funny, but I often look at Alfie and I'm like, you were the beginning of my single empowerment journey because I made this big life decision totally on my own without having the safety of someone else. So funny, yeah, because... Alfie very much was initially a pandemic puppy. And I remember again, this was early on in our friendship. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I really rate her like living alone and getting a dog. That is such a, that's such a bold move. Uh, As you say, so many people feel like they can only do that in a couple. And I think that that's just one of the things that your whole, well, your whole book and your whole brand represents that actually life begins now, not just when you're in a couple. Mm -hmm. I love I love that aloneness and single you know they're not the same thing and we always talk about this how our concepts are different but also they are in many ways there's a lot of overlap which I know we will get on to later on in this episode but before we do that I also wanted to ask you a question that I ask pretty much every guest on this podcast which is what does being alone mean for you? So if you would have asked me that two years ago, I would have said something probably kind of negative attached to being alone. I might have said that it was lonely or that it was craving connection or wanting another person on the sofa with me. But now I think having navigated a pandemic alone and pandemic plus all these other challenges that came out of nowhere, uncoupled, I would now say that being alone feels like comfort. It's a sense of security that I know I'm okay without someone else and in all the challenges there's been this proof of resilience and strength so actually I now see being alone as something that makes me feel quite quite powerful but that's taken having to go through these experiences and be like oh wait I survived that and I didn't have to lean on someone's shoulder I didn't have someone to cry to and I, I was okay so I think it's a potency that comes out of of 
navigating difficult experiences. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I really like that term that you used, proof. It's like, I don't know, I always think about like proving yourself to yourself. And that only really comes through experience and action how did that happen what was what was your journey like during that process of the pandemic because obviously you jumped in the deep end already through choosing pretty early on to be publishing this book about being single so how did that process of learning to be alone go for you I think it just starts with noticing noticing I wouldn't say as far as addictions but there's definitely habits that we pick up like if you're alone and you're watching TV and you find yourself just constantly WhatsApping people or on Instagram, things like that, when you're just picking up these habits that are kind of signals to yourself that you don't actually want to be in your own company. And a lot of the time we're alone, but we're trying not to be in some capacity, whether it's looking at other people's lives on Instagram or it's chatting with our friends that like social multitasking, I think is often an indicator. You're actually not massively comfortable in your alone time. So that was something I noticed when we went into lockdowns as at the start, I was trying desperately to hold any form of connection outside of my alone bubble. Um, And I say bubble, but actually that bubble concept didn't come in for a couple of months. So at the beginning for people living alone or single, you were totally on your own without a support network. But at the start, I was constantly FaceTiming my friends and, you know, I'd be making lunch and I'd have my mum on FaceTime or I'd be calling someone. And after a while, I sat with myself and I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I, can't I just be okay with with this and so that was that that was really quite confronting and I think also confronting some of your biggest fears around being alone so I know for me getting sick on my own was one of my big fears I was like what happens if I catch COVID and I'm on my own and that's now happened twice (laughs) and I'm still here potentially even a third time I'm not quite sure but I'm still here and I think sometimes we have to go through our worst nightmare and we have to come out the other side. And then we're like, wow, okay. And genuinely, I feel like I'm made out of Teflon at this point. Like, there's not an awful lot that scares me around being alone. I went to Santorini on my own last summer. Like, I was like, I just really want to have a holiday. None of my friends were available on the dates that I wanted to go. And you sit with it and you're like, I either say no to the experiences that I want for my life, or I sit through some of my fears. And although it's, you know, an incredibly beautiful place, I was pretty scared about going because Santorini is somewhere that is coupled and central. I think I saw three people proposing while I was there. 
And I was going to these restaurants and just baffling these Greek waiters by asking for a table for one. Like nobody could understand it. Culturally, people just don't go there alone. But I, I went and I went through like gourmet tasting menus on my own and I did day trips and I loved it. And now my fear around solo travel is pretty much gone. So I think we have to we so often want to avoid those those fears. But once we go through them, we come out the other side You're so much stronger for it. It's so funny that you picked Santorini. I feel like there is this continuous theme here of you choosing the absolute deep end of the experience of being alone, being single and confronting it. It very much is a source of living in action and proving yourself process. Why Why it's, did you pick Santorini? Was there, were, were you, was there something bullshy about that, that you knew it was such a coupley place? I think so. I think it was a bit of baptism of fire. I'm not someone to like dip my toe into an experience. It's like if I've decided to confront something, I'm going to confront it. So I wanted to confront the reality that I was finding being single difficult and I wanted to reclaim it. So I put together a book about it and I wanted to be okay with solo travel. So I went to the most coupley place on earth where I think I was probably the only single person in Santorini that week. And you confront it head on. And I don't know. I, I know people say, oh, you know, give it a go, test the waters for solo travel, go to the Cotswolds on your own for a weekend. But I personally quite like it because it's it's such a quick way to overcome those fears, to just go to the maximum and then you're there. Don't get me wrong, with the book, I had a total vulnerability hangover. After I wrote my introduction to the book, which was about my experience and my breakup, I remember sitting with it and thinking, God, this is going to go out to thousands of people. And I've just come out with how heartbroken I was and how awful I felt. And that is, that is quite terrifying to suddenly own that space that you never spoken about before they've never really shared anything about my personal life but um it's it's a valuable thing to do because it, it shows us when we're vulnerable actually is when we create the most connections and connection is really key to that because I suppose the most difficult thing quite often around being single definitely in my experience as well is that when you feel that you are the only person who is single and I think that you know, the age we are, we're both in our early 30s. If you look around, it does seem that more people are in couples than not. And when I say people, I mean the people you surround yourself with. So I don't know, for me, former classmates, uh, you know, people I've known most of my life and the people that I would normally compare myself to. What do you think is the power of creating a community like you have through the book and again, through the readership of that absolutely I think and I say to people the whole time meeting you becoming friends with you and the other single women that we've brought into our network has probably been the most transformative thing I've done for my relationship with being single because like you said a lot of my friends are married um settled down lots of them are have babies or expecting babies and I didn't feel particularly seen in my friendship groups um there are things that are particularly difficult like weekends when your friends are coupled off or perhaps holidays where you don't feel like you know who to go away with so there are things that are really challenging I think creating those friendships is so nourishing because you have some other people that are on a similar journey and have same kind of pain points as well And with the book itself, one of the things I found with people getting in touch, having read it, the main thing that they say to me is I feel really seen by it, which I think is really important because there are these challenges that we don't talk about and people don't feel like their experiences are reflected in TV and film, in popular fiction as the single woman who's also figuring things out or on her own personal development journey. So feeling seen is is a really important thing. 
Mm. And I think scene is really, I don't know, it, it really is what makes the weird paradox of having a community around being alone having a community around being single it's what makes it make more sense because it's not that being single is in and of itself a bad thing it's certainly not that being alone is in and of itself a bad thing and we've been speaking about all the wonderful things that can happen when you are either of those things but it comes back to that sense of being seen you know even if you're not physically with people in that process even if you are on holiday alone I guess it's nice to know that other people are holidaying alone Mm. and not feeling seen is what makes the experience of being single lonely but actually when you can talk about the fact that there are these challenges like going to a wedding and you're not allowed a plus one and that can be quite a lonely experience but if you can talk to your single friend about that and they can say oh I had that and that that was really rubbish or whatever it makes you feel less alone with it and it takes some of the stigma out of it so I think that's why it's really important to have other people that are in a similar place because we can open up these these issues and then they don't feel like so taboo or so awkward to talk about and there's also something around confidence I think the longer you're single, you do find that you need people to bolster your confidence occasionally. You are most likely going to have some disappointing dates, some feeling of missed connection, some instances where you'll be on a night out and all your friends are coupled off and you're the only one that's not. And you need other people who are saying, don't worry, it's okay. Like, keep your spirits up. They, you, you need that confidence boost. And that can come from your friendships if you cultivate friendships that are on a similar trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. I think it does make you feel... It, it can honestly be, and, you know, definitely I say this for my experience as well, you know, with our friendship, it can be the game changer that makes an experience objectively bad and difficult and lonely into something that, you know, is, is neutral, is, is, is your way of being and, and feels, you know, like it has good and bad, but at least you're navigating it together. I think that that's the really important thing. It's really, it's funny, actually, on the flip side of that, I'm thinking one of my favorite essays in the book, Unattached, is actually from another friend of yours, Rebecca Reed, um, you know, who's an author and journalist. And she she writes about being married and how that actually sometimes that that can make her feel a little bit jealous of her single friends, which I think is really interesting because she talks about the isolation in that essay that that can come from feeling that actually you're the only married one she was married young she was 24 and I suppose she had in a similar way what we're going through now of being at a different life stage to all of her friends so I don't know do you suppose maybe there's not something about it's not necessarily that being single is difficult it's just that being at a different life stage to your friends at any point of your life is challenging I definitely think there's something in that there's this feeling of having to keep up and that's what makes it difficult is if you feel like you're out of step with other people you can feel somewhat isolated and yeah I think that is one of the things that makes it really hard it's not that necessarily being single is bad or or difficult in and of itself it's this sense of having to keep up and it's what what emotional state comes up from that feeling of keeping up, which is often panic and fear. And you add into the mix that women feel pressure in their thirties 
to to have children often and we're told that from 36 35 that our fertility really drops so you can find if you're single in your early 30s that you do feel a sense of panic and that obviously leads you to making bad decisions and maybe forcing things or feeling like you have to make finding a romantic partner like the main focus of your life and I don't I think it creates quite a lot of negative stuff but that's that's driven by the world that you're in in terms of friendships and I actually feel the most relaxed I've ever felt about being single and I'm 31 and I think it's because I've got a lot of single friends now and that's helped me feel calm and it's made me realize that it's okay it's okay if I haven't made dating my main priority I'm not stressing out like do I need to stress out and actually finding some sense of calm with it has been really enjoyable I so relate to that panic and that almost the the risk of making bad decisions driven by that panic. I was lucky enough to contribute an essay to Unattached myself. And I think writing it felt like a really therapeutic experience. And one of the things that I mention in my essay is the idea of using your friends as a yardstick for what you should be doing. And I think it can drive so many bad decisions. And if you don't speak about it, if you don't speak about it being sometimes a taxing experience, but not the thing that should inform every decision, then it can be really bad because, I mean, I I remember, for instance, an experience we talked about going to a wedding alone where I was, I almost felt compelled to stay in a relationship, a short relationship, but one that really wasn't working was making me miserable every single day because I didn't want to be alone at this wedding you know I made the decision not to and 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 to say look that you know this this unfortunately isn't working out and to have that difficult conversation before the wedding and I remember actually feeling not great at Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The wedding itself, but it would have been so much worse compromising my life as a whole. I don't know. I, I almost think there's no perfect solution sometimes, but definitely the worse one can be making those decisions out of that fear, out of that state of panic, rather than that state of almost calm, slightly sad, but calm acceptance. Well, this is a first. I think this is the first time I've ever done an intermission from the main episode, but it's for good reason. I would like to share with you, with permission from Squarepeg, an extract from my essay for Unattached. It's not you. It's the cliches for two. Better half, significant other, life partner, soulmate, which render you incomplete by implication. It's not you, it's falling back on the same tattered archetypes. The Bridget Joneses, the Carrie Bradshaws, because 20 years on we have no better role models for being single. It's not you. And maybe it's not them either. The longer you date, the more you realise it's arbitrariness. It's a question of fit and timing and sometimes geography. You can't peg your value on someone else's affections simply because, both online and off, we're all merely flawed humans with our own insecurities, our own still-lingering flame for an ex, our irrational but unignorable gut instincts, our complicated childhoods. It's not about you, or your worth, or your beauty, or your kindness, or your right to happiness. It's just the way it is. And the only tragedy is the system that makes you think you are the problem, that you alone are responsible for your failure to find love, that being single is in itself a failure. I hope you enjoyed that. And Unattached is available from all good booksellers. Now back to the episode. It's something really important to me that decisions shouldn't be driven out of fear. I guess that's part of why I started Alone Month, because I realized that actually a lot of my decisions were made out of a fear of being alone. Of course, I was single, but I was also scared of being alone. So it meant that the world was a lot more constricted because I I couldn't really, you know, if I didn't have a willing friend to say, go on holiday with me, uh, then I didn't have a partner either. So I, it meant that the world was almost cut off for me as a single person. And I, I wonder, what does, where does being alone come into it for you? Where does the ability to actually do things alone take away that risk of doing things out of anxiety and fear when you're single? I definitely think there's a relationship between being comfortable being alone and overcoming the panic and fear. So part of it, and what I write about a bit in in my essay in the book, is that we don't have to put our lives on hold 
to wait to meet someone and then do the things that we want to do. I think it's the same as when people talk about going on a diet and they're like, when I, when I lose the weight, then I'll do this. Then I'll go dancing. Then I'll travel here. Then I'll take up this hobby. And until that happens, I won't do it. And I've had that approach in the past, this idea of saving things, saving for saving it for best, saving it for when you've met someone. I think if we look a bit deeper at that, some of it, I think, is that we believe that for things to be enjoyable, they have to be shared. So you look at a beautiful sunset and if you're not holding someone's hand while you're looking at the sunset, maybe it's not as beautiful to you. I think finding some joy and beauty in the world when you're experiencing things alone is really, really empowering. I know for me, it's helped me like unlock a feeling that actually I don't need to panic that if I don't, if I don't meet someone, if it doesn't happen, if I don't have children, it's, it's all okay. It's all okay. I think, I mean, it takes a while to get there, but looking at what your plan B would be and getting really comfortable with your plan B. So I'm I'm happy to share that my, my plan B if I didn't meet someone who I wanted to have children with is to have children on my own and I very much made peace with that it's not something that scares me anymore and I think accepting that has helped me be way more relaxed around dating and I don't know searching for a partner there's also something interesting um which one of the other writers writes about in the book which is that we often have this approach with dating that's very all or nothing it's either that dating is a full-time job we're going out on three dates a week we're treating it like like a job or we're completely sworn off it we're deleting the apps we're like you know what can't be bothered I don't want to do either of that so it's this this kind of extremity in behavior and actually the approach that I'm trying to take is to be casual about dating and go on a date if I feel like it but be light about it and I think that's related to panic a bit as if you can get rid of the panic you can find ease with dating and it doesn't need to be like the main focus of your life it can just be something that you're doing alongside yeah and to be honest you'll probably get as with most things you'll get a lot more out of it from coming to that from a state of calm if you think about even you know our friendship the meaningful relationships you make in your life you don't normally make them when you're in this state of panic you know almost determining from the beginning what they're going to be they just evolve organically and I suppose that's something that I've learned from friendship that I do want to bring to being single if you can take it slowly and you can treat it gently then you never know what that's going to turn into you never know that when you first start hanging out with someone they're going to become one of your closest friends and I suppose maybe we can take a step back from dating in that way, in that gentle approach that you're suggesting. It's taking the pressure off and the expectation. I think dating is better when you're not going into it with with your hopes super high. There's definitely a balance. Like you want to be open minded and you want to believe that things can be good and that there's a possibility for connection. But also if your expectations are super high, I think you're often disappointed because you're often just meeting a perfect stranger without any context. And the chances of that being the connection that you've been searching for are quite they're limited. But yeah, I think if you take the pressure off everything, it's all so much easier. I mean, we have a joke that most of my friends are through hinge, but genuinely I've met loads of amazing 
amazing people who weren't my person romantically but I've really liked them we've developed friendships I spend time with them and I know it's not a friendship app but I choose to I've <laughs> chosen to see it in that way that with dating you are just meeting someone you're hearing their story and you're connecting with another person and if it's anything more than that then great but most of the time it isn't and that's okay I love that too because I think that what a lot of us are looking for you know when we're scrolling hinge on a Sunday night in those sort of lower rock bottom states is just connection and I taking a more holistic open-minded approach to what that connection could be is really special I wanted to go back because I love I just love this image of you absolutely owning being in Santorini by yourself um, because it's just the best choice of place to take a solo single holiday it's just amazingly sort of you know middle finger up to to what Santorini does represent for a lot of people the idea of looking at a sunset or you know as you did going and enjoying lots of really delicious restaurant dinners alone do you think there's almost something where you can appreciate it more by yourself because certainly your example of holding someone's hand while watching a sunset I don't know about you I'm, I'm personally more distracted by the fact I'm holding someone's hand preferably someone I'm going to have sex with later that evening I can't really enjoy both at once it's a bit overstimulating there were times on that trip where genuinely I laughed out loud to myself at what felt like the potency of it all I would go to restaurants and I remember thinking, oh, I can't get like three starters to share because I haven't got anyone to share them with. And then I was like, wait, I could just order all of them and I could have as much as I like or as little as I want it. And it's like, and then I would just laugh out loud to myself and be like, this is amazing. Like, I don't actually, all of that stuff, I don't need any of it. Or like, I can get a bottle of wine to myself and I can drink half of it and so I, can, I can take back the rest back to the room. And when you start to look at those things, you kind of realize the absurdity of the, the stories that we tell ourselves of what we need in order to enjoy an experience and I, I had the best time and I like I laughed a lot to myself at how ridiculous it all was because it's in those moments when you're like I feel so powerful I, I feel so free because I don't have to actually wait on anything really just to live my life and I think in a way like a single woman is a force to be feared because there is that that potential and that power within it of owning things of owning whatever we want to do and it's kind of it's rising up and I feel like I felt unshackled I think from society's expectation of me and I would I would chat to waiters and they'd be so confused by why I was there <laughs> and what I was doing and they were like you know should I set the other table opposite you know are you waiting for someone I'd be like not wait, not waiting for anyone it's probably the only time in my life that I really really meant it I really wasn't waiting for anyone and that gives you so much in terms of freedom it's a really beautiful metaphor to sort of live in person in the beautiful surroundings of Santorini and sort of almost have that reference point in your own mind, that idea of proving yourself to yourself, of knowing that you were sitting there in this beautiful setting surrounded by couples and you were okay. And I think jumping into that deep end, you can only really live it through experience. Absolutely. Even, even that thing about the stories that you tell yourself, because I, I so know what you mean. You, you think, oh, well, you know, I couldn't go to a restaurant and order a bottle of wine because I'd have no one to share it with. But you're right. You can take it back to your room and, you know, have it the next day. Or you can, I think I had Felicity Cloak on the podcast and she was talking about ordering half bottles of wine. Also a thing, you know, 
some places do lots of different kinds of wine by the glass. It doesn't all come back to wine as much as I seem to have fixated on that. (laughs) Also, you know, also like, you know, I know that the way that you enjoy food, it does tend to be in that more sort of sharing plates situation. So again, being able to sort of go and order three different starters and, and do it that way. It's almost just like, yes, you will be faced by problems or not problems but challenges of okay this is not typically the way people go to Santorini therefore I need to do a bit more you know rethinking but they're not insurmountable problems the story that we tell ourselves probably is that you can't go to a restaurant alone you can't enjoy an experience alone but actually it sounds like you found some really practical ways around what initially looked like challenges yeah, and again, it's from a place of fear. It's 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 we're scared. We're scared to do those things. So we tell ourselves these stories that are wrapped up in fear to keep us safe and small. The other thing I'd like to mention is that I was sitting at a lot of restaurants in the evening, and I would look around me some beautiful kind of like five star, once in a lifetime kind of places, and I'd be surrounded by couples that were on their phones, mm-hmm. <laughs> and felt. And I was looking at them and I was like, I think that they're more disconnected than I am connected to myself in this moment. And actually, I think in many ways they were more alone than I was. Literally, you know, six course tasting menus where the whole time they were on Facebook and didn't say a word to each other. So actually, I don't think necessarily the physical presence of another person means we're more connected. And I'm sure lots of listeners have been there when you've been in a relationship that isn't working. It can often feel more lonely than being alone does that sense of emotional isolation so I don't think that it's just a case that when you're with someone you're suddenly not feeling alone you can still feel highly disconnected and actually being on your own can feel really connected I think that that's one commonality when I speak about loneliness with people on this podcast that is the thing that people cite the most being lonely in a relationship and you know look I think we've all had you know we have those friendships where we're together all the time or relationships or you know housemates where we're used to sitting there and being on our phones together and you know that does happen but then I totally relate that's that's probably my favorite not my favorite because that sounds a bit shy and Freud but it's one of the most interesting things for me about solo dining that you do look around and see so many couples on their phones and I think it's like it's one of those expectation versus reality because your expectation and probably the way that you know you'll see restaurants marketing is these couples having a romantic dinner particularly around we're recording just before valentine's day the the marketing around that is you are you do imagine everyone's out having a really beautifully romantic dinner together um but I think there's some there's a really unique vantage point about sitting alone at a restaurant where you can look around you and see that that is true I mean I I quite often go out and see solo diners alone and I think you know that looks really aspirational and then the other thing that I look at is quite often groups of women and when I say groups of women I mean quite often women in their you know middle-aged old friends sitting together they're generally having the most fun which is a perception that I think people don't really get that actually even if if you are in a relationship often those can be your most bonding experiences. And it's really strange because we think that the best sort of way to be sitting there would be at this romantic dinner. But of course, when we look around us, when we're sitting alone, we know that that's not necessarily the happiest situation we can see surrounding us. 
Absolutely. And if you look at holidays, I think that I often prefer a, a holiday with girlfriends than I do with a romantic partner. I think it can be like the most fun. It's relaxed. There's less pressure and expectation. And they're really, really enjoyable. And yet we often find ourselves in a couple and then we discard our friendships or we think, oh, I won't go away with my with my friends. I'll go away with my boyfriend. And actually, they're a whole different entity. They have a, a different quality. And I think they should be on a level in terms of importance and not something that we just drop when we suddenly find ourselves coupled up. Yeah, no, completely. Um, and I think that that's something that I don't know about you. I feel like I almost learned to be a better friend from this stage of being single. I think that even though my close friendships were some of the most meaningful relationships in my life before I was in my last relationship, so between the ages of about 24 and 27, I didn't appreciate it. It kind of felt just like oxygen. It was always around me. Whereas after this side of things, and I know going into my next relationship, I'll still be like, okay, I remember what it was like to be single. I want to still have friends holidays. Whereas before I might've always prioritized the couple holiday. Now I guess I've seen both sides and we we know that. I, I think it's something that almost stays with you, that single experience. Absolutely. I feel like I'm hyper aware of the experience of being a single woman and therefore I'm so careful not to make anyone who's single feel isolated so if I am seeing someone I very often deprioritize that person because I don't want my single female friend to feel alone on a Saturday night because I know what that's felt like I know what it feels like when you're the one that's I don't know your friends ask you out for dinner because their boyfriends are away that weekend and that feeling of feeling like second best and it can be so blatant sometimes so I think you're right I think we both have had this period of being single and we really empathize with some of those pain points and it's something that I'm very careful of when I am with someone not to make anyone else feel bad about it and it's it's so important you can't just discard your friendships because they're going to be the thing that pick you back up if it doesn't work they're going to be there and they are your constant and we can forget that when we're caught up in this romantic ideal that's such a phrase isn't it um you know oh my boyfriend's away therefore like let's hang out this this weekend and it just really annoys me I have certain friends that will message me and I know it's because their partner's not available because I would never normally spend a Saturday night with them and it, it can just not make you feel great in the same way we've mentioned about weddings but only being able to bring a plus one if it's a romantic partner I think is kind of unfair like uh, you know someone else a single person wants to have someone there that they can have fun with and they um, have company and if they don't know anyone at the wedding I've had a lot of weddings with someone a stranger next to me and I think we we need to look at some of those things and think actually how does that make her feel yeah no it's really true and I, re- I remember going alone to a wedding um, and a friend my friend had actually said to me I don't think I'd really matured into this philosophy at that point but you know he'd said to me if you want to bring a friend, bring a friend, you know, a plus one just means a generic plus one. I've never actually had that said to me before, but I did go alone rather than take a friend. And actually the people that I hung out with was one of his friends and her friend who she'd brought as a plus one. And that person was an absolute asset to the party. And I think we forget that we forget, you know, often as a couple, it's very easy to sort of not be as sociable together because you kind of think you've got each other whereas you know a group of two friends I think that we know when we're out at a party together I don't think we speak to each other I think we just we sort of own the room together and we just have that kind of cute nice thing where we know that we were there for each other but we sort of 
we have that trust I don't know I think that that's something that actually I would quite like to bring to a relationship one day that sense of alone togetherness Mm. and social social locations are really enriched by having a good like diverse mix of people who are in different statuses and backgrounds and things like that and often if you find you're like just at a dinner of six which is like a whole load of couples it's not very fun for the single person but as an experience it's also a bit limited and that's where you feel isolated so I think coming back to that sense of community is so important of having people around you because it makes everything just makes life more interesting completely and we've started doing this wonderful thing that I really like which is that you know if we're going to a party uh and it's you know it's not limited it's not a wedding where there's only you know a set number we'll take each other quite often you know we'll we've got another friend Carla who we often take with us as well and we just sort of rock up as a group and that's been so much fun I never I guess I never really thought that that could be, I guess it comes back to that idea of stories. I never got that that could be a thing that you could do to say, can I bring a couple of friends, you know, in lieu of, not in lieu of a partner, but, you know, instead of a partner, like, you know, like you would feel that you can take your boyfriend or your girlfriend to everything. I honestly, I think it's so transformative because coming back to dating apps, you can often feel like the scarcity mindset that dating apps are your only way of meeting someone and that you have to be on them. You have to be religiously using them to find a partner. And actually, if we can open things up socially and say, can I bring my single friends to your party instead of a plus one? A romantic plus one and you create so much more context and ability for people to meet and network and and create connections and it actually takes away some of the focus on dating apps which I think is a really good thing but again it's like a slight it's a slight to be it's a bit of a stigma saying actually can I bring these people it takes a bit of confidence to ask in the first place and to create new connections it's in the same way that making friendships I think as we get older is much harder and it's because often things are quite set socially by a certain age you've got your friendship groups you've got the way in which they operate and you've got the same kind of people that you're seeing week in week out and trying to shake things up can be quite hard as you get older so it takes some confidence to break some of those traditions yeah and yet when you do again with the same spirit that I think you do everything with the same spirit you decided to publish a book about being single very soon into your single journey with the same spirit that you decided to go on the couple's holiday by yourself you know if you can rewrite the rule book then suddenly your life becomes so much more enriched for it totally use the hinge as a friendship app (laughs) yeah I think I think that this is this is a whole new thing this is it's become the new bumble bff (laughs) hasn't it that's for me (laughs) and finally I wanted to ask you the question at the center of this podcast what is your alonement? What what is the quality time that you spend meaningfully by yourself? I absolutely love a date stay with myself. I like to plan it. I like to have it in my mind. I think one of the things that is difficult about being alone is when you're not planning to be alone and you find yourself alone. So a friend cancels on you last minute or you thought you were going to go to something and you're not. And then you suddenly, it can transform your experience of being alone to feeling lonely because you had the expectation of connection and then it suddenly disappeared. I absolutely love having a day that I've had in my mind. So this week it's going to be Sunday for me, for example. And I'm like, that's my alone day. And I will plan in maybe two or three things 
and then the rest of it will be free and I can do what I feel like but a little sense of structure so that you're not waking up feeling like overwhelmed by that time um but that's what's nice to me so I usually pick like an area in London that I like to go to and I'll focus it around that area I might go to a coffee shop I might get my nails done I might go buy a new book and I will discover a part of the city on my own and yeah that's what that's what alone time means to me and that's something that I find a lot of pleasure in I think that's really gorgeous because I think you know also we live in London there's so much to explore and I think that feeling that you can only do that once you're in a relationship it's again that waiting for your life to start so I I love the idea of picking an area of London and just saying I'm going to I'm going to nail this today I'm going to discover it for myself on my own terms totally thank you so much for coming on this has been so uplifting and I can't wait to share this and you with all of the listeners thank you so much thank you so much for having me thank you so much for listening I get the privilege of talking to Angelica all the time so it meant a lot to share just one of our lovely life-affirming chats on the podcast I'd love to hear what you guys thought of the episode as ever do get in touch on social media or leave a review Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 